Let's turn to the book of Psalms, the 119th Psalm. We're going to continue in our study of the 119th Psalm, doing some introduction and do a little bit of review. We will uh, we'll begin with prayer, and then we, we will... Uh, We'll kind of review a little bit before we get into the the next little portion of our study together. Let's pray together. Lord in heaven, thank you so much for how good you are to us. Uh, Lord, though things around us are often um, unsettled and uh, in turmoil, I think especially of uh, the Baruchs with uh, Angela's dad and others who are dealing with sickness and this, uh, different trouble, Lord, even the one that Brother Vernon mentioned. Please give mercy to that family. But, Lord, we know that things around us can be, uh, be uh, troublous, but we're thankful. We thank you that you are our anchor and our rock. And upon you, Lord, we can find a sure footing and uh, peace and assurance. Lord, we pray for our Sunday school, not only our Sunday school, but also the other Sunday school classes that are in progress right now. We pray for your blessing upon them and upon our uh, lesson today. Lord, we pray that you would please meet with us and teach us. Lord, there is so much we, we need to learn, but above the knowledge that we need, Lord, we, we have to find a way uh, to get your grace to, to be able to apply and do the things that we read in the Scripture. So, Lord, help us to understand, attend, help our hearts to be attentive to your word and incline our ears to what it says. Give me wisdom to be able to help your people as well and guide me. And I pray that you help your people to receive the word of God as it is in truth, the word of God. Thank you for the time together that you've given to us and those that are able to be here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 119. Now, by way of review, a little bit of trivia. Uh, Psalm 119 has 176 verses in the psalm. Uh, It is divided into how many sections? Priscilla. 22. Each of the 22 sections then corresponds to what? Raise your hand, please. Ari. All right, Ari, right, go ahead and list the Hebrew alphabet for us. I can't do it either, so it's... <laughs> yeah. I know the first one, well, you can look in your Bible, is Aleph, but beyond that, uh, you know, we would have to do a little bit of study to be able to... And even then, we wouldn't be able to pronounce it correctly. Um, so each of the eight verse sections, there are 22 of them. Each one of them has a heading, which is a Hebrew letter. And the uh, the... What is, what is the connection between the Hebrew letter of that section of eight verses and those eight verses? Somebody raise your hand. What is the connection between that Hebrew letter that heads that section and the eight verses within that section? Somebody, somebody help me. Mrs. Aguilar. It's an acrostic, correct, where every verse in, every, every one of the eight verses in that section begins with that Hebrew letter, in the Hebrew text, of course, which is not true in English. But I did give you an example last week to kind of help you understand kind of the way that goes. But the thing I wanted to, uh, to emphasize by, by 
you know, and I think it's a very unique and very interesting feature about the 119th Psalm, which, of course, what is the theme of the 119th Psalm? No question about it. What is it? Just blurt it out. It's fine. It's the Word of God in all of its different forms and facets, and we'll look at that in some detail. But it's, what's interesting is that the structure of the psalm itself helps to, helps to strengthen the theme of the psalm, which is, is a, fantastic, uh, a fantastic point. But it's not just, it's not just uh, the Psalm 119's theme is not just the Word of God. It is the written Word of God. And that's what we talked about before, last week. So let me just review that a little bit so that we can kind of pick up. We, we talked about the concept of the Word of God. In other words, what is the Word of God? We talked about Psalm 19 gives us the two different... Psalm 19 is divided into two, two sections, and it gives... Okay, so Joseph is saying the live stream doesn't seem to be working. Hopefully it's working now. Joseph, can you send me a text message or Pastor Stewart and let us know if it's working now? He will immediately, I'm sure. I'll just keep that here just in case. So the, uh, the Word of God in, in Psalm number 19 is divided into two sections. You have general revelation, that is what God has revealed through creation, which, uh, which is a very basic understanding of who God is, and we can see that from what God has created. In other words, we should be able to. The problem is that the human heart has been darkened by sin. And so those things which should be obvious do not, are not obvious because we, we human beings, we choose to turn away from that knowledge, even though it's plain before us. And that knowledge uh, goes beyond the boundaries of any language. In other words, it can be seen and observed by everyone. But then in Psalm 19, part 2, you have what is called, what we call special revelation. That is where God has revealed Himself to us by means of His Word, which is a much higher revelation of God than creation. Than creation. So, uh, and God has revealed uh, much more about Himself Whereas in, the, in, the, in creation, God has revealed just basic facts about his, maybe His nature. Uh, in, creation, in, uh, in, in the revelation of the Scriptures, God has revealed who He is. So you could say what He is and who He is. So in the Scripture, is, that's why the Scripture is so important. But the key thing and the thing we, we ended on last week was this. The very fact that God has given us the Bible... The very fact that, it, that that testifies to this truth, that God has communicated with us. What is the Word of God? The very meaning of the Word of God means there's something that God has to say to us. There's a message that He has that He wants us to know. And that's, that's, a, that's a fantastic thing. I, I mentioned last week how that the idea of deism, that God has just wound the universe up in creation and let it go, is, uh, is the problem with that is, that is revelation, that God has revealed Himself and His will and His nature and His person and His character through His Word. And really, that's where, this is where the rubber meets the road. Who God is, how God is, what God wants. What are God's laws? 
What is God's judgments? What are God's judgments? Those things are all those are all things that God has revealed in His Word only. And that's really the question. You want to talk about, you want to boil down the question of humanity and society and why are things the way they are, and all this transgender stuff and uh, all, these, all these vices and wicked trends that we see in society, that has nothing whatsoever to do with politics. That is, a, that is a moral and a spiritual question. And God has addressed that. But see, the question is really, has God revealed Himself? You see, that's the basic question. If the answer is yes, all the other answers kind of fall into place. If the answer is maybe not, then all of those questions are left open to interpretation, left open to, to, uh, to logic or ration, rationale or something like that. But if God has revealed Himself and His will to us, if He has spoken to us, then that changes all the other questions, the answers to the questions. And really, that's where, that's where the rubber meets the road as far as the crux of... Uh, of society and the world, has God revealed Himself? And the answer is yes. God has revealed Himself in a, and we talked about last week, in a permanent way, in a permanent way. That is, just like the, the tables of stone upon which God wrote the Ten Commandments with His own finger were permanently etched with His words. And even if you open that Ark of the Covenant where those Ten, ten Commandments were stored, even if you opened it up 2,000 years later, 3,000 years later, 4,000 years later, of course, we're past that now, but if you did, it would still say the very same thing that he said originally because it was written. It was written. And this is why God gave us his word. But there's another aspect I want to cover very quickly. If you would, you hold your place here. You can come back here later. Look at John chapter 1, if you would. Let's flip through some of these verses John 1. Now we talked about how that Psalm 19 is uh, the, the theme, the, 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 the point of Psalm 119 is the Word of God. But specifically, it is the written Word of God as evidenced by the Hebrew headings and the way the psalm is written. So the very structure tells us, uh, tells us that, that the, the written word of God is connected to the Hebrew language as God originally gave it, right? And so what is interesting, though, is when you get to, when you get to John chapter 1, the, ver- the first verse in the book, it says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. That's the Word. So the Word in this, in this case is not referring to the written Word of God. It's not referring to the Bible. It's referring to a person. All right, verse 14. Of course, you all know this, but just, just, as a, uh, just to reiterate. And the Word was made flesh. Notice the capital W. And dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the Word was made flesh. That can only be one person, and that Word is Jesus, Jesus Christ. But notice His name is the Word. His name is the Word. This is one of the, Lord, the Lord's titles. 
you want, to put it properly, Jesus is his name, because that, that was his human name, and all these other things are his titles. One of his titles is the Word. Now, what is a word? While you're, while you're turning, turning to 1 John, look at 1 John real quick, chapter 1. Written by the same person that, of the, uh, that wrote the verses we just read. 1 John, chapter 1, verse 1. Says this. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. That's talking about Jesus, right? But notice he's called the word. That's not it. Look at Revelation chapter 19. Since you're headed that direction, Revelation chapter 19. Now, we just, we just finished a 25-week uh, series of lessons on the second coming of Christ. One thing we did not spend very much time on is chapter 19 of Revelation. But look at what it says. Verse 11. Revelation 19, verse 11. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with the vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. See that? Why is Jesus called the Word of God? Now, there are probably many reasons, many of which I probably don't know. But one, one thing, one, one way that Jesus, his identi identity as the Word of God and the written Word of God kind of overlap is, is right here. The written Word of God is an expression, right? When God wrote the Bible, it was an expression of His will, of His person, and of His thoughts, right? That's when you write something down, you write a letter to someone, you're expressing something about yourself, you're expressing what you want, you're expressing your desires, right? You're giving knowledge. It doesn't matter what kind of letter you might write. You're expressing something, and the vehicle for that is the words, and that's what God has done with the Bible. Well, in that same way, the Lord Jesus Christ is the Word of God because He is the living expression of God's person, right? He's the living expression of God's will, the living expression of God's character. So it's not just written. You have the written Word of God, and then Jesus is the living Word of God. In either case, these two things have something in common. God has revealed Himself, right? God has something to say to us. He's given us a book, and then He came as a person. Jesus is the express image of the Father. That is, He said, if you've seen the Father, you've seen me, right? So Jesus is the, the Word. He is the expression of what God is, who God is, and what God's will is, and what His commandments are. So, in this way, the Word of God, the written Word of God, and the living Word of God are, uh, are similar and overlap. And you think about in the book of Revelation, what is His name called? It's, it's interesting, these little 
little, uh, little tidbits of maybe trivia. Jesus is called the Alpha and the Omega. Of course, that's Greek. That's the first and last of the Greek letters. But in, the, but in Psalm 119, and that's referring to the Word of God, Jesus Christ, but in Psalm 119, you have the division of Psalm 119 is also based on the letters, but of the Hebrew alphabet. But that's about the written Word of God. It's just these, these interesting, uh, interesting things uh, that the Lord uses to describe His attributes, to express Himself, to express Himself. Now, let me, let me make something perfectly clear before we move on. God has expressed Himself. And the only way that we can know God is by means of the written Word of God. This is what Psalm 119 is all about. There's only one way for us to know God. There's only one path There's only one means whereby we can know God, and that is His written Word. There is no other means that exist. It's an important thing for us to understand that because, as I said last week, there are people that say that they have a word here and a word there. I got a word, I got a word. Listen, God has revealed Himself in His written Word, not in someone's private feelings about the matter. This is the only way that we can know God. This is the way God has chosen to reveal Himself to us. He could have chosen many, many, many other ways. And you know what? Throughout history, He did do that. But as a matter of permanent revelation, God has given us the Bible. The Bible. We should be people of the Bible. Right? And that's what I want to show you at the end of our our lesson today. All right? But let's look at a few other things. Go back to Psalm 119, if you would. Some interesting facts about the psalm. Most of the verses in the psalm fall into three categories. You might be surprised to know. Most of the verses in the psalm, in Psalm 119, fall into one of three categories. There are prayers, there are praises, and then there are exhortations. The three, those three categories, almost all the verses in the Psalm, in, in Psalm 119, fall into one of those three categories. Look at verse 36. The psalmist says, Incline my heart unto thy testimonies and not to covetousness. As an example of prayer. Look at verse 65. Here the psalmist praises the Lord about his word. Thou hast dealt well with thy servant, O Lord, according unto thy word. But look at verse number 9, going back to show the way that the, the exhortations, wherewithal, very commonly known verse, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. An exhortation. So you got prayers, you have praises, you have exhortations. There are some things that are not mentioned in Psalm 119. And this might surprise you. This might surprise you. Here are are a list of some of the things that are not found anywhere in Psalm 119. The temple, David, Solomon, Moses, Aaron, Egypt, priest, sacrifice, Judah, Israel, Jerusalem, Zion, the wilderness, 
Basically, Psalm 119 does not contain any of the major themes, places, people of the Old Testament. It's a psalm about the Word of God, yet it contains none of those things. And that's not, that's not an exhaustive list. Nobody knows. Because it, 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 the, the Scripture does not actually say. Now, I, that, thank you for bringing that up. Thank you for bringing that up. Usually, if David writes a psalm, um, I'll, I'll have to find one. Like Psalm 23, it says, A Psalm of David. But it doesn't say it in this psalm. So some people assume David wrote it because in psalms that aren't named or do not have that title, usually they assume David wrote it. He might have written it. Uh, I think if you read the rest of the psalms that David wrote, there are some overlaps to what Psalm 119 says, some very similar statements. But some other people think that, that others later on might have written the psalms because not all of the psalms were written in the time of David. Some were written in later times. But here's the thing. Uh, what one idea that came into my mind because of the Psalms' emphasis on the Hebrew language and the, the relationship of the written Word of God and the Hebrew language from the structure of the Psalm is my, my guess, seeing we don't know, right? So my guess is as good as yours, right? Is maybe Ezra wrote it. Or maybe, maybe Ezra compiled it. Um, if David wrote it, on the other hand, what I think is and I'll touch on this in a minute, that it might have not been written all at the same time. Because, which, well, let you, I'll pause there and I'll come back to that, okay? Um, what's interesting, as I said, the major themes that cover the entire Old Testament are not found in this, in this psalm, Psalm 119. And there, I think there's a good reason for that, which I'll get to at the end. But what you expect to find in pretty much every other chapter in the, in the Old Testament you find these major themes. It's what the Old Testament is about. Yet, in Psalm 119, it's totally absent. Totally absent. An interesting fact. We'll come back to it in a minute. Now, you will not hear me say this very many times. In fact, I don't know that you'll hear, it, hear me say it, except maybe in the book of Proverbs. As you read Psalm 119, remember this. That context is less important in Psalm 119 than in other places in the Bible. Why do I say that? It's less important. In other words, you can take a verse such as we read a minute ago, verse 9, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Now, you could try to force verse 9 to match verse 8 or verse 10, but you're going to have to force it because there's not a natural flow. In fact, very smart people, and I tend to agree with them, say even though they've looked for, way, for major themes in, in, the, in Psalm 119, most of the verses and the, the 22 sections don't seem to have a major theme. They don't, they, there's a couple of places in Psalm 119, Psalm 119 where you have maybe two or three verses that go together and it's obvious. But most of the other ones are just, they're just kind of hodgepodge, verse here, verse there, thought here, thought there. And that's one reason I say that if David wrote it, and, and this is so important, if David wrote it, it seems to me that it was compiled here and there, here and there, here and there from his observations and his experiences with the Lord and his word, which would be an interesting thing because I kind of do the same thing. You ever write things down? You know, you, you see something or you experience something and something just stands out in your mind and you might write a note down just to remember that truth, that fact. That's what Psalm 119 seems to be. There doesn't seem to be a central theme other than, of course, the written word of God. Word of God. 
It's an assembly of verses that most of, which, most of the verses stand alone. But you know what? That is, that's, good, that's good for us. You know why? Because this makes it ideal for memorization. You don't have to memorize the whole passage in Psalm 119. Psalm 119, 105, what does it say? Oh, come on. I know somebody knows this song, this, uh, this verse. Correct. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That's a very commonly memorized verse in Psalm 119. You know what? It stands alone. And because it stands alone, like many of the verses in Psalm 119, it makes it easy for us to memorize. So, upon that basis, as we go through the sections in Psalm 119 in, in weeks to come, I'm going to pose a challenge to you in our class, to all of you in our class. What we're going to do is, if, of course, this all depends on your willingness to, to participate. There won't be any coercion. What we're going to do is, as we go through each eight-verse section, I'm going to challenge you to pick one verse out of, there, out of that section, and I'll, I'll provide you with, a, with a, a, uh, a recommendation as we go through it. But I'm going to challenge each one of you to take one verse out of those eight verses to memorize and to utilize this feature in Psalm 119. So hopefully by the end of it, you'll have at a minimum 22 of the 176 verses in Psalm 119 memorized. And we're going to have some special prizes for those that do that. We have a, I have a, it's a verse memorization challenge, and I hope all of you uh, participate. But we'll do that. I want to, I, there's this particular feature from Psalm 119, little compact truths related to God's Word, and those can help you as you memorize them, as you think upon them, they can help you in your relationship to God's Word. So I want to utilize that, 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 uh, that aspect of God's Word. Now, as we study Psalm 119, just look at verse number one, just as, a, as an example. Blessed are, blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Verse 2, blessed are they that keep his testimonies. Verse 3 says, they walk in his ways. Verse 4, thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts. Verse 5, oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Verse 6, then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. I could go on. The way this psalm is laid out, as all of you know, is it's a psalm about the word of God, but it it doesn't use the term, the Word of God. It uses, it uses various words to describe the Word of God. Now, and in, in fact, what it uses, by my count, seven different words. Now, some people add, also add the word truth, the word way, and the word ordinances. But as, as I count, as I reckon, as they say, there are seven words that are terms used of God's Word in the psalm. All right, the first one is word. Thy word is a lamp, a lamp unto my feet. Then you have law. Number three is testimonies. Four is precepts. Five is statutes. Six is commandments. And seven is judgments. Now, I am definitely not going to stand here, nor would I encourage you to do so, stand here and argue about the, the minutiae the differences between these words. So I created a diagram to help you and to help me understand why there's so many different words 
to, de- to describe the Word of God in, in Psalm 119. Similar to the way we use, the way we use uh, synonyms. Like we say love, but we could also say adore. We could also say affection. We, we could also uh, use other words like fondness or cherish or there's other words to describe love. And you can, you can use them sometimes interchangeably, though there might be some difference. And, and that's the same way that these words that describe the Word of God are. So basically I drew, does anybody know what kind of diagram this is called? Is this a Venn diagram? A complex Venn diagram? <laughs> has seven words. So basically each word has its own particular meaning, but then it overlaps with the other terms that are used for the Word of God. But here's the key. They overlap in some way or another, but this central section is that, that section that that's the essence of every one of these words. In other words, this is something that is spoken by God an expression of God's will, of His attributes, and of His character. All of these words talk about that. So real, very quickly, and this is a very common thing. Um, in fact, just really quickly, I'll mention this. Genesis 26.5 says this, Because that Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. This is the first time that commandments, statutes, and laws is found in the Bible. And it's found together, right? These three words are found together. So you have this this overlap of these words. So here's basically what you have. A commandment is simply something that God has commanded, an order, right? This is pretty simple, but it's, it's a different facet of the same truth, okay? A precept is like a general truth. Something that is, that is generally applicable, but it's up to us to apply it. Okay? A word is simply something God says. A testimony is a statement of fact, like an, an observation of truth. Uh, and, and there are many things in the Bible where God tells us things that we would not otherwise know. But He says, I'm looking at the, this situation. I know the hearts of all men. And I'm saying, my testimony is that this is X. That's a testimony. So God's statement of truth, testimonies. Now, of course, God's statement of truth as a testimony overlaps His Word because it's the way He speaks. But you, as, you, that's, as an example, you can see how they overlap. Then you have His judgments. Judgments are His pronouncements on things legal. What is right? What is wrong? What is just? What is unjust? What is righteous? Then you have statutes. To be honest, I don't have a good definition for that. I would put it very close to the word law, ordinance, something like that. And of course, you have the word law. Now, what's interesting is in the Bible, the word law is not always referring to the specific commandments. Sometimes, specifically in John chapter 10, there's a place where the word law is used to refer to the whole Old Testament specifically the Psalms. But I, I don't really have time to go into that right now, but, but just know that sometimes the word law refers to like the Ten Commandments, which is called the law of God. Sometimes it refers to all of the commandments of God in the Old Testament. And then sometimes it refers to the entirety of the Scripture of the Old Testament, which is a pretty expansive term. But all of these terms that are used in Psalm 119 overlap and express God's will, God's character, and God's 
um, attributes. And so I made a little diagram to make it easier for us to understand. Again, we're not going to argue over the fine points of how these are all different. We know they're different in some way, but they overlap to a large degree. So, uh, so as we go through this, as we go through each section, uh, I'll not try to pick apart why this word is used rather than the other word. That's not our point. Um, but we will talk a lot about why the, word, the written word of God, which is found in Psalm 119, helps us. Now, the last thing I want to cover before we finish for today is this. Look at, look at Psalm 119, verse 4. It says this, Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. You see the little two-letter word? It's in italics, actually. Us. Did you know that is the one and only time that a plural personal pronoun, first person, plural personal pronoun, is used in this psalm? There is no other we, us, or our anywhere in this psalm. This is the only time. What does that tell us? This entire psalm is written in the first person. The entire psalm. Number two, basically the entire psalm is written as a, as I said, a prayer, praise, or, or exhortation. But basically the entire psalm is written as a person would write a message to the Lord. Think about that. This is what one of God's people, whoever that is, David, Ezra, Nehemiah, I have no idea. One of God's people wrote these things down, and these things are mainly statements that an individual is making to God about his word. What an individual is making, statements he's making to God about his word. Why is that important? <clears throat> what you're going to find in Psalm 119 is, as I said, there's no mention of the major themes of the Old Testament. None of them are there because the emphasis of Psalm 119 the entirety of it, is our individual relationship to God's Word. That's what it's about. That's why he says, thou hast done this. Thy Word. I have, I have meditated in thy precepts. Thou hast given, you know, those kinds of terminology. I'm talking to God about how His Word has affected my life. That's what this psalm is. So this psalm actually is not so, much about, uh, not so much about God's Word as it is about how God's Word has influenced and affected the writer of this psalm in his prayer to God. <clears throat> it demonstrates the individual's relationship to God through his Word. It shows the responsibility and the joy of the individual seeking and knowing God's Word and how it affects him as an individual. So Psalm 119 is not so much for corporate devotion, like altogether, 
but for individual and private devotion. Listen, each one of us should have a relationship with God through His Word, His written Word. And that means we read His Word, we meditate on His Word, we absorb His Word, we engraft His Word into ourselves individually and personally, and we, by that, are affected by His Word. Receive joy through His Word. That's exactly what's happening to to the psalmist. Many parts of this psalm are expressions of of the writer's personal experiences of how God's Word has affected and influenced him. You'll read about how he longs for God's Word. You'll read about how God's Word is his joy and how valuable it is to him as an individual. It is a matter of his devotion to God. Listen, you and I cannot be right with God if we are aloof from His Word, period. You you and I cannot walk with God if we're distant from His Word. His Word is the means whereby we draw near to Him because that's how we know Him. There's no other way to know Him. That's only through the Bible. So these are not, Psalm 119 is not full of dry statements about God's Word, like God's Word is X or is Z, although that's all fine and good. But it is, these are living statements of a life that is actually impacted by God's Word. As I said, the emphasis of the psalm is not public worship, but private worship. That's you and your Bible. You and your Bible relating to and walking with God. Now, the Bible is not God, but it's the means whereby we know Him. Let's pray.